we've entered our small forwards tier, or yeah. rank. There's a really good small forward at the top of this list. I thought long and hard about it. It's Elgin Baylor. <laughs> he should be our number one small forward. Are you sure it's not John Havlicek? Definitely not. Okay. Definitely, definitely not. Get get out of here with that John Havlicek. <laughs> LeBron James is, is head and shoulders above the rest of these guys. And I made videos before saying that LeBron is either one or two all time. It's not Kareem. Kareem's not better than LeBron James. Don't give me this shit. I think it's um, it's pretty clear cut. Yeah, you're talking about someone with the most first team on B appearances ever. A four-time champ, four-time finals MVP, four-time MVP, 18-time all-star in a row. And it's going to be the all-time scoring leader. I'll push back a little bit when we get to the Kareem section of this. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's an argument for LeBron one, two, three. Uh, and if you really love Bill Russell, maybe four. Oh. There is no argument, no argument out there that Larry Bird is better than him. There's none. There's not. Although apparently, according to some comments of mine, that LeBron's only better at slashing Larry Bird. Can't argue with that. I, I, I That's one of my huge pet peeves about basketball conversation is when we talk about them like they're Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, well, this guy has four moves, and that guy only has three moves, and the one defensive move. So who's really better? Like, it's not how this works. Like, you take everything they can do, and then you get an end product on how effective they are. It doesn't yeah. matter. If, yeah, Larry's a better shooter, but it didn't. It doesn't outweigh the fact that LeBron's just better at basketball. Well, it's also an oversimplification of Pokemon. Because in Pokemon, you have five base stats, special attack, attack, special defense, defense, and speed. And you could be better at four of them. But if you're only better by like one or two, and the other guy is like 30 points better in the third, you're a worse Pokemon. Absolutely. Great point. Because listen, do you want to know how many basketball players are better on offense than like Dennis Rodman? Of the 5,000 players that have played in the NBA, like 4,000 of them are better than Dennis Rodman. <laughs> Rodman's offense though, is almost exclusively generated by the minutes he plays to get rebounds and play defense. That's the only reason his his counting stats are better than the average person is because he's out there to do the other things really well. And, uh, speaking of defense, LeBron is five-time in a row, 2009 to 2013, all-defensive first team. Mm-hmm. He's the best player on earth during that stretch. No one else touches him. And you could argue that stretch is extended for longer. Not to argue his dumb point, but he probably should have been Defensive Player of the Year over Marcus All in 2013. Yeah. We've discussed wanting to have differences in how things are voted on. Defensive Player of the Year at that time, oh, I might be getting them mixed up, but one of the defensive awards was voted on by coaches, the other one was by media. So you would see things where the Defensive Player of the Year ends up on the second team all defense mm. because it was two different voting bodies. And like, yeah, defensive awards aren't great awards. They don't tell you a lot. They're not usually the best considered. Uh, and I think Zach Lowe hit something on the head in this last award season when he said, I would rather work, vote for a worse defensive player whose offense wasn't as limited so you could have him on the court more. Because he was talking about Matisse Thibault. And he's like, listen, the guy can only play 24 minutes. How valuable is that defense to me? Because at some point I'm going to need him on offense and... Then Great we're point. moving away from just straight defensive player years. But yeah, that's an aside. LeBron's number one. Larry Bird is number two. And, and I think there's a pretty... Well, how much of a stretch do you have between Bird and your number three? It wouldn't be inexcusable if somebody had either Kevin Durant or Julia serving at that number two spot. I do think Bird is number two for me, but I wouldn't call I wouldn't call someone an idiot for, for having that swapped. What do you think? Um, I, I think it's pretty clear. 
I think Bird, the three straight MVPs, uh, the multiple rings as the definitive best player is a lot for me. Nine time first team NBA straight in a row. The interesting thing about uh, Irving's or Julius Irving's MVPs is he wins three of them in the ABA, which you can't fully count those. Um, and that's not to say anything about the ABA versus him because during that era, it's pretty comparable. Who's the better league is questionable. But it's like having an Eastern Conference MVP and a Western Conference MVP. You know, him and Kareem kind of have to fight it over who who actually deserves those. Can you imagine how many MVPs Larry Bird would have if we gave one to the best player in the East and one to the best player in the West? He'd have like 10 straight. Yeah, I agree. And it's not to say that Julius Irving didn't deserve an MVP or he wasn't any good at the time. He's still the best mm-hmm. player in, in one of the two leagues in the world. And you could argue that yeah. he would probably be the second best player over at number one still if he had gone to the NBA. Yeah, and it's it, it's something that we'll never fully know. Um, that like 1974-75 season, Irving uh, ties with um, George McGinnis in the ABA, which is interesting to see how that worked out. Uh, and then Bob McAdoo won in the NBA. And it's kind of, you just don't really know who, who was actually the best player in basketball that year. The the next year, Irving would win and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar would win. And he put those seasons together and it's real close as to who would win. Uh, 74 Irving wins, 74 Kareem wins. Like, you kind of got to split it. They don't all have as many MVPs. The only reason why they do is because the leagues were split in two. And if they weren't, there's just, just less awards to go around. Yeah, absolutely. Back to Larry Bird really quickly. What I like about Bird, and it really speaks on his dominance, and it's really him and Magic during the 80s. Those are the two best players in the world. That's it. That is really important. Because I think that we're going to go, at least what I have is the fourth best small forward is Durant. That's something Durant kind of struggled with. And something that Bird has. Larry Bird is the best player on earth for a three, four-year stretch. Yeah, I, I think I think Durant kind of loses it on semantics. Because he joined mm-hmm. the Warriors during what should have been the him LeBron three four years as the best player there's on the earth, and so it kind of gets muddled. And but it, it happened. He did muddle his own legacy, uh, and I think that did help at least solidify his legacy because um, he got the championships. No one can ever say that he didn't win, but he kind of traded off the high end potential for having that. You know, he raised his floor. Or I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's the right order is to go LeBron, Bird, Irving. Durant. Something to consider about Irving is the 30,000 points. People tend just, they, they look at his stats, they're like, yeah, he's 24 points a game over his whole career. It's not eye-popping, but he is up there in the scoring, in this uh, all-time scoring list. Yeah. As long as you count the ABA numbers, there's a really strong case for Irving to be a top 10 player. Yeah. I don't know if he makes it. it, it it's debatable. He's kind of more in that 8 to like 13 range than like a, a 5 to 10 range. But Irving had some fantastic seasons because we're not only just talking about a peak where he's averaging, you know, 27 to 30 something points, but he also was a pretty good rebounder. You know, during those first five ABA years, he's averaging 12 rebounds. Uh, He's a pretty good passer at five assists a game, two and a half steals, two blocks per game during those five years. Like that is an insane stat line for like a five game playoff series let alone for a five-year average. Irving is 23rd in blocks all time. That's by far the highest for a wing. Is it? Yeah. I think the next one after is Karolinko at 41. Oh, man. Where did Andre Karolinko end up on your list? How far How far down is he? 
he's not on this. He's not on this list. <laughs> you, you couldn't you couldn't squeeze him in over Sean Marion. I could not squeeze him in. Uh, we also when Doctor J retires, he is number one in steals, and his career kind of lines up perfectly with the steal being invented or being kept track of at the same time. That's really important. I have one more thing I have to take care of. I really apologize. One sec. Okay. And now be ready to record for the listeners and Aaron. Whenever he hears this, Andre Karolinko came in three hundred ninety fifth in the Matrix. Uh, one spot below Jeff Teague, a few spots below Xavier McDaniel's, a little bit up on Damon Stoudemire. Don't hate it. it. Might be a little bit low for him. Like to see him be a bit higher, but well, probably fairly fitting. All right. Sorry about that. I'm ready to roll. We're good. No problem. With that being said, Kevin Durant is an incredible player. Yeah, absolutely. There's a reason why he's in the top 20 of most people's rankings. You know, top 15 of probably more people than not. Especially if you're looking at the modern generation of players. He's an incredibly efficient scorer that can do a lot of really difficult tasks. You know, there's a reason why the whole bag community it loves the guy. He can shoot over anyone. He is, is an MVP. He did lead a team to two championships. Uh, and, and as much as like the Warriors could have won without him, they also very well could have lost without him. Uh, and I think if he had if he had gone to the Spurs and it was him, Kawhi, and Lamarcus. They're the title favorite. If he had gone to the Clippers and it's him, Chris Paul, Blake, they're the title favorite. And wherever he had gone, he would have been the best player. Even the Wizards? Oh, gosh. What, what are we you don't have to stretch it. You don't have to push it. It would have been Wall and Beal and him. And you could argue that that's still the title favorite. I don't know that they're the title favorite, but they're in the conversation at that point, right? Yeah, and that, that speaks to how good Durant is. If you had to pick, just pick players to be the number one scoring option on your team, Kevin Durant's up there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's one. I mean, I think Michael should be one. You could say he's just, yeah, Kevin Durant is the second guy you'd want ever to be the number one scoring option on a team. There are other things he doesn't do as well, and then there's flaws in his game. You're talking about 27 points per game, 37 minutes per game, over, over, for 936 games straight for Durant every day going out there putting up 20 shots a night. He's unbelievable physically, just, just off of that alone. To shoot the ball that much is a, is a feat of athleticism. Mm-hmm. People tend to underrate that. And it will, we um, should have mentioned that when we talked about Iverson, but people say, well, Iverson's taking a lot of shots. It's hard to take shots. It is hard to shoot the basketball in the NBA. To, get, to even just get those shots off, to be a focal point on offense is exhausting. These guys are, that is a crowning achievement to, to be the number one option by such a large amount. Yeah, and that's one of the things I come down kind of harsh in my rankings on second, third options, um, the guys who are just there to show up and hustle and play defense. Because um, truly in my mind, that is the toughest skill set to be the primary offensive focal point. You know, if you have a bad game, um, which which I did some digging into some guys later on, I've got some interesting points. Um, but if you have a bad game, your team is guaranteed to lose. Like Durant has led teams to 50 win seasons for the majority of his career and you know even now age 33 like all the drama we still have to put brooklyn in the the title conversation just because he's there just because of that chance that durant could score 50 in any given game so it's the it's the third most points he ever averaged yeah last season 29.9 yeah he's it's a different era compared to because in 2014, he wins a scoring title. Teams are scoring like 95 points per game. It's an it's just an absurd season. Yeah, it ebbs and flows. And he has that too. But yeah, and he's not terrible on defense. Like, I'm not going to say that he is a great defensive player, but he is 
between above average and good and a lot of key defensive metrics. You know, he's got great wingspan. He's got pretty good good mobility with his feet. If we were just talking about the top four or wings, he's above Bird. I don't know if he's quite above of Irving because Irving was a fantastic defender. If you watch those finals of the 76ers versus the Blazers, he is doing a pretty good job defending Bill Walton, you know, as a three guarding a five. So, but Durant, Durant just has it all. I would argue that in Golden State, Durant had reached a level where the reason the Warriors became so unstoppable is they could play him at the five and it was just over. That was it. He could defend the rim. All of a sudden, Kevin Durant can defend the rim. You could still have Jermon Green and Clay and Steph, and it was wraps. Yeah. All right. Well, who you got for five? I have Elgin Baylor. Good man. Good man. I don't have to have that fight. <laughs> I thought about it. We talked about it. Elgin Baylor. We, we've fought about this enough offline. I'm just going to kind of reiterate my thoughts for the listeners um, because this is there's kind of that top four tier. And like you can say, there's like a little the LeBron, then you, you can tier those top four guys if you want. But like there's top four, and then there's a gap, and then there's like the next three, which are all kind of a bunch of older guys. Um, it's the Havlicek, Rick Barry, the Elgin Baylor grouping, and, and I'm pretty firmly in the camp of Elgin Baylor had a five year stretch where it was arguable who is better, him, Wilt, or Russell, and maybe he comes in third, and everyone's fine in that. But he was at least in this conversation. He was fantastic um, until he blows out his his knee or Achilles or what the injury was. Um, But then he continues to have another long stretch. And basically for a decade, he is a top five MVP finisher. Um, It just the the other guys don't hit that peak as a leading man. Just an insane athlete. Really the first small four like uber athletic small four the league had had ever seen he's only six five but if you look at his numbers you'd think he's closer to six eight six nine because his his in his peak he's 35 and 20 35 points and 20 rebounds and you think oh it's you know it's it's the it's the 60s he's probably six ten and just grabbing those like no he is below average height for what the nba was at the time he is also like one of the prototypes for point forwards it's a reason why you see Jerry West often listed as a shooting guard because although Jerry West didn't play next to a point guard, he did kind of embody more of a shooting guard role because Baylor could bring the ball up. Baylor would initiate the offense. Um, you know, Baylor was a pretty ball-heavy, high-usage player. I was also in the top 10 in assists almost every year of his career. So Baylor is the prototype for everything we saw from the small forward position from then on. If you simulate the NBA history a thousand times there is a few probably more universes than the celtics win 11 titles the lakers win six plus the fact they went to as many as they did i think it's nine if i remember correctly and and didn't win any of them yeah Uh, it's unbelievable say what you will about the hbo show winning time but jerry west delivers just this heartbreaking line to magic johnson in there of hey i scored like twenty five thousand points in my career if I had scored five more baskets in five different games, I could have five more rings than what I have right now. Yeah. And it's just like you look it up and they're like, oh, there's this game seven, this game seven, this, you know, it, it, it's on the razor's edge. And part of that is because of how good Baylor is. Um, and his like, last season of being not even good, but like a fraction of what his good was because he'd already had the Achilles um, his last year before his really heavy decline is the first year they get Wilt Chamberlain. So it's not like the three had this this time. It's not like Russell beat the three of them together repeatedly. It's 
he beat Baylor on his own. He beat Weston Baylor. He beat West and then like diminished Baylor. And then he beat Weston Wilt. It's part of the reason the Celtics do so well against the Lakers is is the Lakers didn't really have a center. They did not have a great center at the time. And Russell and even Tommy Heinsohn kind of eat them alive. Yeah. Rudy LaRusso is, you know, he's okay. He's fine. He's solid. Yeah, he did. He did give up forty rebounds in Game Seven of the nineteen sixty-two Finals, but that's okay. It happens right. to the best of us. Maybe, maybe we can't say that's solid. But uh, am I <laughs> safe in assuming that that then if Baylor is your five, do you have Havlicek or Rick Barry as your six? Because I went back and forth on those two. I ended up with Havlicek. Okay, I I ended up with Rick Barry, um, just because all of my arguments for Elgin Baylor are almost as true for Elgin as they are for Rick Barry. Um, Barry does get one title with the 74 Warriors as their best player. Um, Barry also gets an MVP, but I still just don't feel like he's on that level. I feel like it's a little bit weaker of a league at that time. Um, if that makes sense. No, did Barry not get an MVP? He does not. That's, that's a mistake I make pretty frequently. You feel like he does, but he does not. Why am I thinking he got an MVP? I've been there. I have made the same mistake before. He comes in second place in 1970 for the ABA, but he doesn't win it. Hmm, could have sworn that he snagged one. I'm going crazy. Does that, does that change anything? Because I, I did not have Rick Barry no, that I'm, close at all. I mean, it's the eight All-NBA first teams. Um, I do think he played in a much weaker era. I, I talk about the ABA-NBA split, and if you start mashing those guys together, guys fall from the first team to the second team pretty easily. Um, I, I mean, that's also kind of when Havlicek had his run, it is during that same time period. And Havlicek, although he gets a lot more defensive selections, he's got fewer first-team All-NBAs and more second-team All-NBAs. And a lot of his first teams go once you start having other guys leaving the NBA to go to the ABA, like a Billy Cunningham, like a Rick Barry. Um, So I just kind of was trying to put my mindset of a fan in that time and watching them. And and all of what I was looking at was Rick Barry is better as an individual, but John Havlicek had more team success. Did have more team success, but I, I'd argue that the amount of team success he had is enough for me. Because we've made arguments against guys like Manu earlier in this in this pod, saying that if Manu played poorly, it didn't really matter because the Spurs still won. Mm-hmm. If Hondo played poorly, the Celtics don't necessarily win, especially given the Celtics were winning titles in a row over and over mm-hmm. and over and over again. And so to say, like, oh well, if he didn't, he, his role wasn't as big. I think his role was plenty big because they won championships every year. Well, and his role is not as big in every championship. Like, But it's massive in the line, 60 and 62. Or sorry, 68 and 69. I'm not sure where the 62 came from. Yes. Well, I was looking at the 62-63 year where he averages 23 minutes, gets 11.8 points per game, um, which I think I think is the thing when people start looking at this and they just start throwing rings out there. Guys', guys contributions vary year to year. Um, but you can say 65, 66, 68, 69, 74, so five rings. He is one of the three most important Celtics, um, and I would have no problem. I, I'm cool since we're combining and trying to you know, figure out a cohesive list, putting him over uh, Rick Barry. I'm all for it. I think for all those Celtics, you get three rings where... They're not basically not contributing. Anyone that's not Russell, they're basically they're coming off the bench, ten points per game, um, and then you get a good four, three or four rings where they're the second, third best player on the team. I think one of the things that either gets glossed over or gets too much attention 
there's like never a happy medium is Rick Barry's contributions to the ABA. Uh, his father-in-law was a coach in the ABA. And so he jumped ship and got suspended for a year, basically because of a you know, anti-compete agreement. I, I don't know the whole legalese of why he was barred from playing. So he should have one more year of really good stats, but didn't get it because of that whole um, ordeal. But him going to the ABA, even though it was for a short time, really helped solidify the league because in 68, the ABA was bad. Like you can look at the 68 All-Stars and what they accomplished the rest of their careers. And there's guys that just don't play professional basketball after 68. Like like the ones that do, there's there's like a sh- sharp decline in as the talent in that, uh, that department grows. So I just want to say like him going helped establish the lead, which helped create you know some strength for the players union into form and really get free agency to happen a lot of players rights kind of come out of him making that move and also rick barry is a fantastic asshole the um, best i was i was trying to find it in the story um one of their old coaches you know was kind of described by some of the players as being a bit hippy dippy um and he was leading through a visualization exercise and he's like, all right, just picture all your problems floating away. Uh, and one of his teammates, when the exercise was done, he opened his eyes. He said, Buck, Rick, you're still here. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't have Rick Barry that high. Okay. It's, it's part, far, I had him at. How far down are we dropping, Ricky? Pretty far. I had him at nine. Really? I, did, I, I, I feel like he eats up a, a really bad, just not a good era in, in basketball. And it's still not as dominant as you'd hope it to be. Compared to like, as Elgin Baylor, you could argue does the same in the 60s, and it's not that great. And there's not many teams and all that, but he's still unbelievable. Rick Barry is, is is really good. Not like, wow, this is 35 and 20, 35 points and 20 boards, and he's top five in assists or top 10 in assists every year, and he's top two in scoring every year, and he's top five in rebounds every year, and they go to nine finals. I had Havlicek, and then I had Pippen. Mm. I'm a so, really big Pippin supporter, and I think it's because the guys I'm the highest on are usually guys I've trashed on in the past that I've changed my mind on because I've seen both arguments, and I understand why I, why I used to be wrong. What, what changed my my perception on Pippin is I always I, – I'd say, oh, he's just a second option. He's second fill to Michael. Anyone wins six titles with the greatest player of all time, X, Y, and Z. Those Bulls teams, he's not just the second best player on some title teams or some pretty good teams. He's the second best player on the greatest teams ever. Arguably the most dominant teams of all time during the the two back-to-back three-peats. And just to top it off, 1994, he is the first option, and he's really, really good. I have a question for you. 1994, out of the 20-20 best games Pippen played by game score. What is the Bulls record in those 18 20 and games? Two. 18 and 2. That's correct. Oh yeah. I, I did my homework. <laughs> I, I was digging in. Um, there's another fun fact, which is there's a guy that refs, I forget if it's three or four of the Knicks games. I say I did my homework. I did. I just didn't write things down. Oh, no, um, but the, one of the guys that refs like three or four of the Knicks games um, the Bulls write to the league about how they've lost a like Scott Foster, Chris Paul amount of games that he's refed. And every single one of the games he refs goes to the, the Knicks. And the league investigates and ends up suspending him from officiating future Bulls games. And so you and I were discussing Joe Folks uh, and his case to be on this list. And I mentioned a refing scandal 
there is a roughing scandal that does hurt Pippen because there's a good chance that that Bulls team makes the finals, if not for this officiating scandal. And then he is the best player on a team to make the finals, which, you know, matters. Kind of a side point that I want to bring up. People often say to hurt Michael Jordan's case for the greatest player of all time. Look, his teams won 54 games without him. They were so good without him. They didn't need him. But the mm-hmm. difference between the 54-win Eastern Conference Finals Pippen team, I think it was 54 wins, somewhere around there, 51 wins. Mm, let's go 54 wins. Between that team and the greatest team ever is one Michael Jordan distance away. It makes sense. The math adds up. You get a really good team, you add Michael Jordan, and now they're the best team ever. I will, actually say, I will actually say, you usually see a larger drop when a guy leaves a team than when Jordan left because of what Pippen was able to do. That's true. I guess at some point, I need to start defending my Rick Barry over Pippen take, but it's just, it's easier to love on Scottie Pippen uh, because he's just, he's a very <laughs> lovable player. He's done a lot of good things. Point forward, elite defensive player. I do, I do think he's going to be limited as a scoring option. And I do think that kind of comes to bite the bulls there or in 94 that he can only do so much. You know, it is kind of some of the things that we were talking about with our point guards of, you know, being a smaller guard. They couldn't elevate a team. There just are limitations on what some point guards can do because of their size. And Pippen had some of those same limitations without the size. He just didn't have it in his game. Um, whereas Rick Barry was a fantastic scorer. And we can look at kind of where they finished their careers in total full points. And I mean, Rick is really up there and Pippen is pretty far back. That's true. Something underrated. Really quick, before I get to that, the second half of my question, which was out of the 20 worst games by Pippen's game score in 1984, what is the Bulls record? Mm, I mean, it's still a pretty decent record, but I'm going to go something closer to 500, maybe like 11 and 9. Just flip it, 9 and 11. So you can see a pretty clear impact of Pippen playing well. It's not, and that's what you get when he's the best player on a really good team. Pippen's playmaking is, is underrated. People kind of think of him as just the wing defender which if he's that he's probably the best wing to, like the wing defender ever if you were designing a wing defender in a lab it looks like scotty pippen in an era where that kind of defense is really important but he's up while being that kind of defender he's up there six seven assists per game people tend not to talk about that yeah he is a point forward absolutely it's it's why when scotty barnes came in and people were making the scotty pippen comp it was as much on offense as it was on defense of having this guy that could play with the ball in his hands. Um, maybe he's not an elite shooter, but he, he's going to make the players around him better. When Scotty Barnes crack in this list? Is he, uh, 20, is he 28 for you? <laughs> I Maybe in 2028, Scotty Barnes is cracking the list. All right. I think that's, that's the fair thing to say. Uh, I don't have a... You can't do it. You can't debate this. Well, it's just, it, it's, it's Rick Barry had to be the number one. Yeah. Pippen got one season, one and a half seasons of being the number one. And that second season doesn't go well. It's not quite his fault. The Bulls were really struggling with rebounds. The loss of Horace Grant cannot be understated. Like Horace Grant, if Grant was there when Jordan returned, there's a chance that the Bulls win that that year. But they just didn't have rebounding. And there's only so much you can do when your team just gets crushed on the boards. You know who's a pretty good rebounder they wouldn't got the next year? Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman. Got him off the scrap heap because no one else wanted him. He's just unbelievable. That that's that's why I think Phil Jackson's the greatest coach ever is because Pippen and, and Jordan are 
probably want to kill each other at times. And Dennis Rodman is an insane person. And they won three titles. Yeah. They kept it that they kept the band. I mean, that you could like by the will, by the pure will, you could keep that team together for one season. You win a title, like all right, nice job, guys, and then you go and it all falls apart. Held it together with his his own meditation. I mean, do you want to go Pippen and then Barry, or do you, or do you really feel strongly about? I don't Barry? think it's right, but I'm I'm willing I'm willing to do Pippen over Barry. All right. Something um, I mean, something to note is that Pippen is the number two option, but there is there is value, extreme value in being the greatest number two option ever. There is, but I don't know if there's like top thirty, top forty value in all time, and that's that's ultimately what we're doing this for. Is like, hey, we're we're building into the small forward tier, so that way we can then build into a top one hundred tier. And there is value in being the second option, but guys, the NBA has been around seventy five years, so we're talking seventy five seasons somewhere between eight and 30 teams a season like you need to be the number one option to be that high. like there, there is a ceiling of how high and i i think rick barry is over that ceiling okay i have somebody else another great defender who was the number one option yeah he's my number nine Kawhi leonard yeah that's and true it's way to kill the drama i built that one up and everything no, because everyone that's listening to this is screaming, you idiots, where is Kawhi Leonard? That's Kawhi should be right next to Kevin Durant because they're the same player, because he beat him in NBA Finals. I've seen a lot of Kawhi is better than KD. And I usually, if comments are bad, I see just a swarm of you're an idiot comments, and those are mm-hmm. just those for some reason. And maybe it's just because Tippin, I'm, I'm just mix mash of of power of small forwards right now i got i have no idea what i'm saying um duran is unlikable and and, and Kawhi is his tw- you know his 2019 run is cool and Durant never really was mm-hmm. i remember a time and i'm sure you do too where kevin Durant was the coolest thing in the world yeah he's oklahoma the city slim reaper he was the slim reaper 2014 mvp he dedicated the speech to his mom he was everything he was the golden child I think that's yeah. really why his his transformation into a um, completely absent minded dick <laughs> is is hard to watch because you went from someone who seemed really heartfelt to someone who like seemingly you couldn't get a genuine moment out of him if you tried. Yeah, it's I I struggle with Kawhi um, in part because of his fanboys um, and in part a lot of his greatest accomplishments that people point to aren't real like like they are but okay he wins finals mvp in the 2014 series with san antonio and people act like he was the best player on that team there's almost no metric by which he is the best player on that team that is the only award that points to him being the best player on that team um and i'm gonna read you two different stat lines uh one is going to be him one is going to be it's sorry i'm gonna read four stat lines okay one is going to be Kawhi and lebron in that series and the other is going to be Andre Iguodala and LeBron in that series. Okay. All right. So LeBron in one of those two is 35.8, 13.3, 8.8 assists. So, so 35 points, 13 rebounds, basically nine assists. His defender and finals MVP, 16 points, six rebounds, four assists. And the other one of those series, LeBron is 28 points, eight rebounds, four assists, and his defender is 17.8 points, 6.4 rebounds, and two assists. Which one is Kawhi? I think it's the first one. Is it the first one? 
No, it is no it's the second, second one. one. It's the second yeah. one. No, I said it before you did. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, I, They're both fantastic LeBron series. Technically, he does a better job of limiting him, um, but it, it's not that much better. He's got a lot better defensive components around him, and it's just the, the Kawhi MVP, Finals MVP, is much closer to the Andre Iguodala Finals MVP than exactly it is the Kevin Durant ones. Yeah. Oh, that's exactly how I say it. I mean, I, you'd be a fool not to see it like Iguodala's or it's even, I, I'd say, what is it, the second? No, it's not necessarily, I don't want to say it's the worst because Finals MVPs are still cool, but it's the worst one. I I would argue that Iguodala was better because Iguodala, his stats in the 2015 Finals are really good. Yeah. I mean, I remember watching the 2014 Finals. And people being like, ooh, could Danny Green win it? Because he's got this like hot three-point shooting hit. It was just such a well-balanced team. It was perfect. That... 2014 Spurs were perfect. Duncan could have got yeah. it. You could have given it to Parker. I think Ginobili's the only one who really, like, eh, probably not, probably not going to yeah. get that. But I think if the if your finals match, if your finals MVP is only because of the guy you're playing, not a great finals MVP. Mm-hmm. If, that, if the only reason is like, well, he's playing LeBron, yeah, I'm not super interested. Like, let's, let's see someone who actually played really well. And so then he has his second finals MVP, which that it's a fantastic playoff run. Oh, yeah. That I don't know how many bounce shot was was great. I, I will love that shot. I hope it's on every highlight reel from now to forever. Not a super great finals from him. Um, just just to give some context and comparison to get past Philadelphia. He averaged 35, 10 rebounds four assists he was a machine on, on 53 percent shooting unstoppable yeah. one of the greatest series ever played against golden state that drops to 28 and a half 10 assists four rebounds on 43 percent shooting so a full 10 percent worse shooting uh, we're looking at basically six fewer points per game and boards 10 boards and four assists yeah okay 9.8 4.2 and he wins it with Durant and Clay Thompson injured, uh, it still takes them six games, and those are relatively close games. So it's not like you can't help but like, wonder. Yeah, I watched that with my grandma at the end of that game, and they wanted the Warriors to win. And uh, I just remember them saying this: you know, if Clay was healthy, if Durant was healthy, they caught him at the right time, and I was thrilled because I wanted to see the Warriors lose five. I didn't care how they got it. Um, but you really can't help but wonder. It's it's arguably the most injured team ever in, in the finals. Mm-hmm. A team that because twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen Warriors has if they're healthy sweep the sweep the Raptors, mm-hmm. hand it to them. Great Raptors team, not a chance, no way. Because the Raptors could barely stay in front of of just Curry and Draymond doing their best. I so I'm a big fan of you know trying to think of things in a box and in a vacuum. And in a vacuum, Kawhi's amazing. If it's a single game, you want to put him and Durant on the same level, I'm all for it. Let's have that conversation. We also need to have the same conversation of in a vacuum, equal teammates, whatnot. Kawhi's lingering health and injury issues is such a debilitating and limiting factor for teams that we just saw the Clippers really struggle last year because he was never, I mean, he, he legitimately was not there. And I can't put him that much higher. Like I, I can get Pippen over Rick Barry in my mind, but I can't do it with Kawhi um, uh, until he actually could stay healthy. Like give me two straight years of health. Is that 
too much to ask for as an elite player to have back-to-back years on the All-NBA First Team. That's that's what we talked about last video, where what are championships built on? Consistency. Greatness is cool. Consistent greatness wins you titles. That's what the foundation of great teams is, and that's what Rick Barry can get you, and that's what yeah. Kawhi Leonard really can't. Now, I, I love what you said there with Kawhi is arguably as good as Kevin Durant, but if Kevin Durant is anything, he plays basketball, unless I mean, his body exploded at the end of the Warriors run. Even when he comes mm-hmm. back now, he's still on the court, and now he's older, he's- and the nagging injuries are catching up, but there's a good nine-year stretch from his rookie year on where he's just... Always there. Let me let me see if I can find. Yeah, I, you know, if you replay if you replay Kawhi's career, there's a good chance that he doesn't get any ring. That's probably the statistically more likely thing is that he doesn't get a ring outside of that one with San Antonio. Then he oh, gets yeah. that Toronto one. That that is fluky. That is unlikely. If you replay Rick Barry's career, he was healthy and good enough that eventually one of the years he was going to get the right breaks, and he did. He got it in '74. So I'm I'm down for Barry at eight. Kawhi at nine, um, and and interested to see who you have at ten, and if you're ready for it. And if not, I can rattle off a great Scotty Pippen quote. I do have one from his rookie season till 2014, his MVP year. Durant plays in and starts and plays 38 minutes per game in 542 of 574 possible games. 27 points, seven boards, three and a half assists, a block, and a steal and a half. That's what gets you. That's what made the Thunder really contenders for the last uh, four seasons of that stretch. That's, yeah. I mean, the, the numbers speak for itself. I forgot about a quote that I was going to bring up um, about Scotty Pippen when we were discussing him. Larry Bird discussing Pippen, uh, and he said that he thought Pippen was a top five player, but he was the second best player in the league when he was next to Michael Jordan because of how well they complemented each other. And that's just not talk that you hear of a number two. It's important. I do, ha- I do. I have- do. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, there's also a quote from Charles Barkley, who during Jordan's retirement, Barkley called Pippen the best non-center in the league, which Barkley was a non-center. Yeah, he's the best wing in the world at the, at the, at the time. It's a, it's, yeah. it's a strange era for like small for small forwards. It's such a center-dominated league, but I would, yeah, he's one of the five best players in the world during that time and uh, the best wing. I do have my 10th guy, Okay, and I thought about time? it. And I and I and I thought of what we're valuing here. It's uh it's Dominique Wilkins. Really? Yeah. I thought you were gonna tear me to shreds for Dominique. No. And like I I came at Dominique with the most critical eye and I had him at ten. I dropped him down to twelve. Interesting. Why Dominique so high? Because he's really good. He's really good, man. Sure. Just an unbelievable score. He doesn't I would say of all the stars in the world, Wilkins has no help. In an era where the Celtics are there and the Lakers are there. He has, if I remember correctly, he gets one all-star season from Doc Rivers. I think he gets one from Kevin Willis. He gets the last Moses Malone all-star season. And then he's done in Atlanta. That's it. And in the meantime, he's racking up a first-team on-BA appearance, four second teams, and two third teams, as well as a scoring title. And that's really what he did so well. Wilkins is close to Durant in a sense where if you can build the right team around him like I could just you can close your eyes and picture a good center and then good defenders and like a playmaking guard and Dominic Wilkins gets you 62 wins in an Eastern Conference Finals berth and the Hawks just never could make that happen and they're starting actually playing Spud Webb in basketball games not concerned about the, def- the lack of defense this this guy is playing 
as cool as it was, it, it was just bad roster construction over around a really talented guy. Yeah. I mean, I love Kevin Willis and Tree Rollins, but that's not a lot of spacing. Like, you are playing two non-scoring big men next to the guy who's known as the human highlight film for being one of the best dunkers, and you're like, cool, let's just put two just really limited bigs. Um, the, the 88 second round, he matches up against the Celtics, and Bird has some really critical quotes about it, um, basically saying that they knew they just had to stop Dominique and that they could bait him into a one-on-five, which is all true. But Dominique takes them to seven games. The final game, game, game seven, the, the Hawks lose by two points, but Dominique scores 47 of the team's 116 points, and he does it on 19 for 33 shooting, gets to the line, gets it's eight free throws, eight for nine. Like Dominique had an incredibly efficient game seven when Boston and Larry Bird is saying, yeah, we knew we just had to stop him and we could win. Like that that's kind of all you need to say about him is that they couldn't stop him. They knew what the game plan was. They had one game to do it and they really struggled. In his time in Atlanta, he's 26 and a half points, seven boards, two and a half assists on a 54% true shooting. And you could argue the Hawks are trying to make it difficult with what you said earlier with Kevin Willis and Tree Rollins and Spud Webb. And just a just a miserable roster. And they're still and well, he's not succeeding in the playoffs. And he's only won three playoff series. I think he I think you could argue he over he overachieved. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he is one of the highest talents. Um he's a little bit of the Tracy McGrady case, which I was I was kind of cross comparing him. He had more health than McGrady, um, but just just an elite talent that didn't ever have the right roster construction and teammates around him. Um I have him down at 12 because I decided to go for the two guys in this range that actually won titles and were fairly um, fairly important to those title teams. Uh, and at 10, I put Paul Arizon, well. arguably arguably the best player on the 56 Warriors that win the championship, led the playoffs in points per games, two-time scoring champion uh, in 52 and 57. I, I did not have Paul Arison this high. Really? I did not. Where, where do you have Paul Arison? A 17. Wow. What What were your knocks? Three a time on B first team, one time second team. But he's a 10 time all star. Dolph Shays plays in the same era. Six time on B first team, six time on B second team. Usually guys in the 50s, if they're good, if they're really good, they're cranking out like 10 all NBA teams just with the with the depth of that league. I think the fact that, that Arizon was, was really good for a little bit, but for most of his career, he's just pretty good. I think he's a top 100 player. I'm sure about that. He's in my own top 75, so he's top 75 player. But I did drop him down quite a bit. Okay, okay. That's... I thought you were going with a different Paul. Well, so I looked at the two Pauls, um, and, and they are who I have at 10 and 11, and I Paul Arizon actually did more for his chip than Pierce did. That's fair. Uh, and, and so just I, I was kind of looking at it, and you know, Paul Pierce... Also kind of a questionable award selection. And for him, I mean, he's a 10-time All-Star, only four-time All-NBA. Um, I would like to see more All-NBA selections from him. Um, and, and like he kind of gets that late career rebound with the winning that really pro- prolongs his All-Starship, and some of them are not the most deserved. Um, but it, it really just kind of came down to, like, hey, they're back-to-back, and the one really carried his team to the finals MVP, and the other one probably should have gone to the to Kevin Garnett and just overall did less. 
I think that's totally fair. Totally cool moving Dominique over both of them because I had it there originally and I, I came at this with a very critical eye and almost trying to anticipate what you would think. And I was I was really expecting you to argue more for the guys that actually won and actually not carried a team because I wouldn't attribute that to Paul Pierce, but at least were instrumental in winning. I've grown more sympathetic to the loser as time goes on. Hell yeah. I think it's, I think, but th- there's two sides to it. I think saying the championships don't count and are the worst way to judge a player is the dumbest thing ever. Go watch golf, some other sport. But also just saying that titles are the only thing is kind of, you just loop back around. Titles are mm-hmm. really important. I like players that win championships. I like players that play in the playoffs. That's what the sport's all about. But there are really good players that didn't have the right teams around them. Paul, Paul Ayers had won five playoff series his entire career. To be fair, there weren't as many rounds. He has a losing record in the playoffs? Yeah, but there's not as many rounds in the playoffs. Like, this this is my thing, is like certain eras, getting a playoff win is easy. Like that late 80s period... Um, where Hakeem gets a bunch of first round appearances, there was only like four teams that missed the, or there was like seven out of the 20 something teams that missed the playoffs. So like everyone's guaranteed a playoff series. Making the playoffs in, in Arizona's era is is more difficult than it is in different eras. That's, that's totally fair. What I love about Paul Pierce is go on his basketball reference page and look at his playoff series. And one of my favorite things about a player is if he's just churning out 20 points per game, 25 points per game, 22 points per game. He's leading scorer in series after series after series after series after series. And like you've argued, being the number one option offensively is the hardest thing you could be. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm looking at Pierce's um, series. Where, where is that exactly? Because, I mean, <laughs> I'm, see, I'm seeing 24, 25, or 20. At, at age 24, he has that nice run in 02. That's a great run, him and Antoine Walker. It's also just a fun team. Um, a little bit of stylistic difference. 2003 makes the second round. Four, first round gets swept. Five, first round, seven game series. Six, wait, where? Nope, not in six. Uh, seven, nope, nope, not in seven. Eight, we've already discussed it. It's it's KG. He kind of leaning things like like where where is this this fabled Pierce? You're looking at <laughs> you're looking at the results of the playoffs. He is 87 and 83 in the playoffs, 16 playoff playoff series wins and 13 losses and two of those losses come on the clippers when he's basically not even playing he's 19 points a game six boards three and a half assists over 170 playoff games that's important i i really should do this and i meant to do this before we got on but i forgot go through every single one of these series and see how many times he leads the celtics in scoring and leads both teams in scoring because i I did it for reggie miller and it's shocking because that's a a reason i I like miller so much is he leads if i remember correctly he leads he leads the pacers in scoring 10 times in 10 playoff series and then another completely separate 10 times leads both teams in scoring his playoff machine I, i am willing to bet that pierce does this less than six times leads both teams okay i'm interested i'll have to do it after this no, no, no. You start at the bottom, I'll start at the top. I'll start okay. in 2002. We'll meet in, what is the, the midway point? All right, where's yeah, my you do, you do, you go through 17 to, to 9, I'll go through 2008. I'm going to skip a few of these in the beginning that I know he's not, uh, that I know. I'm going to start in, uh, 2000, 2000, but I'm going to start in Boston, the last series in Boston. Okay. Okay. I'm doing total points, by the way. Oh, you're doing total points? Yeah. 
it, it's really not much of a difference playing like, total points. It's a playoff series. Score more points. You you total points. <laughs> okay, twenty thirteen versus the Knicks. He does not. It's like you know who leads the the Celtics in scoring in twenty thirteen versus the no. Knicks in the first round. Jeff Green. That's sad. Yep, that is sad. He beats out Iverson by a single point in two thousand and two. Check it out. In 2012, versus the Hawks, he beats out uh, KG and Joe Johnson. Beats out Stackhouse in 2002. I might lose this bet real quick. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's shocking. Pierce beats out Kid. Um, man, we're up. That's that's the third one just in 2002. Yeah, that's we up to four. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. Gosh. Yeah, I'm, I'm in real trouble because he beats <laughs> out uh, Jermaine O'Neal for the Pacers. I'm also just looking at this. I'm not. I'm not sure that I'm more or less impressed that he beat out Jason Kidd and Jermaine O'Neal. <laughs> but he is leading them in scoring. Yeah. All right. Beats out Kenyon Martin, and so I, I found five series already. All right. I found just six. Six. Uh, does it in 2004? God, I wish he actually would play someone good. <laughs> I, I've I've only found one. Seven. So far, I also claim from the back end of his career. Now I have another. 2010 Eastern Conference Finals versus the Magic. Up to up to up to eight. All right, I'm going through the 2008 run and now, and thus far, he has been third in the first three series. Okay. All right, so yeah, in the 2008 run, he is behind Kevin Garnett in all three of the, the Eastern Conference series and behind the best player on the other team. And then against the Lakers, he is the best on Boston, but is behind Kobe. Interesting, interesting. So never when he's actually... Um, winning does he lead the team in scoring because i think that that might be an also important subplot is that you need to actually win for scoring the most points to matter no all right so we finished with eight times that's impressive that's you know eight out of uh 29 series he's the leading scorer and i don't know how many times he led the the celtics themselves i think it's less than reggie did um but uh, another thing to consider paul pierce is a good defensive player he's not reggie miller on defense that's that's part of what made the Celtics so so dangerous. Yeah, I'm I'm not moving above our Arizon. I have I have Arizon at seventeen. He's way down there. Oh my god! Who's your list between here and Arizon? <laughs> James Worthy, Alex English, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, Billy Cunningham. Oh my god! Wait, we're never gonna <laughs> we're never gonna find a common ground. No, this is this is horrific. I've got James Worthy down at twenty two. 22 oh my god 22 what yeah show me what you can do on your own oh man he's a top 100 player though right came in 113 in the matrix so he's in the conversation yeah but there's an emotional aspect to worthy that i think the matrix is missing obviously on on what he was a part of you got to assume a little bit you know that that worthy would have been okay on his own and maybe the best thing for him would have been would have been to maybe but i have Two thoughts. We don't know that because we never got to see it. And at some point, like, you know, you've been in a group project, either in work or in school, and like you're not taking the lead, someone else is taking the lead, and they're just telling you what to do. And you're like, man, I could do this so much better if I was in charge. But then you're never in charge. Like, at some point, it just doesn't matter that you think you could have done it better. You never did it. And, yeah. and the, the second thing is I was going through Worthy's games, um, and, and Worthy has like a pretty strong record of when he's scoring well the Lakers do well. If he's not scoring well, the Lakers do poorly. And part of it's because he doesn't bring a ton else to the table. He's not like a great other ball handler. It's not like he's going to move the ball. He's not going to even do the Draymond Green thing of, hey, 
I'm not scoring, but let me lock up the other team's best defender and exert all of my effort on that end of the floor. So it's just he's he's a really one-dimensional scorer. He's really good at that scoring to a team that needed it. Well, but the three is such a versatile role is that you can argue like guys, you know, threes can defend down to ones. Threes can defend up to fives. Um, Threes can help with ball handling, can help with spacing. The, The threes, we've got so many good scorers. And if you're asking me, like, would I rather have James Worthy scoring or Bernard King scoring? James Worthy's scoring or Alex English's scoring? Um, I do have a Mel Adrian Dantley. Yeah, Carmelo. But like, you know, it, it, that is the one thing that he really brings. You're asking me, hey, let's trade out James Worthy for one of the other elite, elite scorers in NBA history. I'll take one of the other elite scorers. I thought as a Lakers fan, I could convince you to, to care about his championships. <laughs> but I hear you. And I think no. that's that's the metric we've used throughout this. I don't want to break it now. Let's try to yeah. work out where we're at. We have LeBron, Bird, Julius Irving, Durant, Elgin Baylor, Havlicek, Pippen, Rick Barry, Kawhi Leonard, Dominic Wilkins, and then what? All right. For for simplicity's sake, and so that we don't continue to argue over the same guys again, let's accept Paul Pierce at 11. Great. And, and I'll listen to some other arguments here for, for who might be over Paul Harrison. Um, just keeping in mind that Paul did lead a team to a championship. I, I'll accept Paul Harrison. You'll accept him at 12? Moving him up 15 spots? <laughs> All right, then who's 13? I, I had him at 17, not 27. Oh, oh my gosh. What am I thinking? Five spots. I can't count. It's Sunday night. I'm super hungover today. It's. <laughs> I woke up at uh, I woke up at five. I went to bed at three. We're both just smoked right now. <laughs> Dear, it was my wife's 30th birth. Or, well. Yeah, how was it? Tell her, happy, tell her happy birthday, by the way. I will. But we, we went and celebrated last night because we're, we're going out with, well, we're doing family stuff next weekend, and then we're going out of town the following. So this was like the friend weekend um and it was a really great time um we're we're old we shouldn't drink that much but we did <laughs> what'd you guys drink uh well we started off with a pitcher of margaritas so you know starting the night strong with should have ended there should have stopped there heavy dose of tequila that's all i needed to know to know how your night went yeah it was a great great night played some darts played some pool that ah, sounds like a lot of fun i love playing pool yeah. so my next nomination would be the eight-time All-Star, three-time on base second team, one-time scoring champ, all-time leading scorer for the 80s, Alex English. No debate. What do you think? No debate. Sounds great. Yeah. I do think the all-time leading scorer for the 80s thing sounds a lot better. No, it's bullshit. Yeah, don't, don't, don't listen to that. <laughs> he, it's because he played his prime hit exactly in the 80s. I did pull it up. He scored 21,000 points in the 80s, uh, which... It is a lot. Like, basically, you hit 20,000 points, you're a Hall of Famer. Um, yeah. There's only two guys that are Hall, Hall eligible, as in not playing or longer than five years retired, who haven't made it. And it's like Tom Chambers and Antoine Jameson. Um, but, like, English did this in a 10-year span. So, just fantastic score. Didn't do much beyond scoring, but you could easily switch him and James Worthy, and the Lakers are still winning those chips. That's true. Our English is the best player. Well, not by an immense amount on the 85 Nuggets. They win 52 games. They go to the Western Conference Finals. They lose in five to the Lakers, but English only plays in four games. Averages 30 points, six and a half boards, four and a half assists on 51% shooting. He's incredible. Yeah. I'll t- That's a number one option. Who you are cut 14. out. Can you re-say whatever you just said? Because you cut out. All right. Where are we at? We just agreed that Alex English is 13. 
unequivocally, and uh, Billy Cunningham is 14. We agreed on Cunningham, or are you making me do this? <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I thought I'd just try to slip that one in there. I've got an even wilder take for 15. You're, you're not going to like my uh, 15. I have Cunningham at 16, so I'm, I, I think we're, we're pretty close on that. But give me the fifth. Give me your 15. You're not going to like 15. Why wouldn't I like it? So it's I, not I Adrian Dantley. No, no, no. Uh, okay. God, Dantley. Dantley is 24. Okay. It's Roger Brown. I, I do not have Roger Brown. One second. <laughs> You're like, who the fuck is Roger Brown? Why? So in, when I started looking at Roger Brown, I had him I had him and like James Worthy like married to each other in the Matrix. Like I'd I'd move them up, move them down together. Um because they're both they're both kind of the second option in guy on multiple title teams. Uh so Roger Brown gets three rings with the uh, uh Indiana Pacers and the ABA. But when you start digging into some of those series, he's number two, but he's really a good number two. Um, let me see if I can find the year. I think it was their 73 year where he closes out the playoffs with 50 something points. I Nate, but we're looking at somebody who, as you said, I don't know if maybe he got hurt or something, but who played in the dog days of the ABA. And then as soon as the ABA gets good, he's over. What happened? What happened to that? It's it, he did it at such a high level, and he didn't do it in the early days. I mean, he yeah, he's there in '68, but like he, he's still good. He has the '68 to '72 where where he is uh, all ABA three of those those years, and I don't know. It, it just it, his contribution. He wins three playoff series um, against the Carolina Cougars, the Kentucky Colonels, and the Los Angeles Stars, which I know those names don't mean a ton. Those are, those are the good NBA, ABA teams at the time. Those are the good ABA. Um, he is beating NBA level talent, um, beating guys that would go on and to play post merger. And then I guess it wasn't a 50 point, it was a 45 point game. But like, it, it's a really high level of contribution on a championship team. And you could talk me out of him. Maybe this is, is an overreach. I just fell in love because this is the rabbit hole that I went down when I was preparing for this, this pod. I just think you're way too. On on a three time all ABA player, as much as I think, if you want to sit there and say he should be top one hundred, we can make that argument. Okay. Whoa, but like, wow. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Why not any? Why not anyone else? I told you you weren't gonna like it. I didn't like it. I didn't like his ridiculous name. <laughs> I'm just looking at the guys left on the list, and there's kind of a couple of groups. There's the like pretty consistent somewhere in the 10 to 15 range guys is in the league like uh, Carmelo might have peaked in the top five Paul George has had a couple of seasons but like you know they're more like the 8 to 15 um like the the back half there type guys there's guys who are just elite or whatnot Roger Brown is really the last guy who I I would say isn't as easily replaced on a championship team like his contribution was really important during, you know, at least this one of those runs and pretty highly important on the other two. The leaks are split in two, though. So I think when you boil this down, he probably is 8 to 15. He's the same as the other guy. Yeah. Let it go. Just let it. I'm, I'm Okay. I can't do it. I just can't. I got Paul Erzin up higher. All right. Who, who are you arguing to English at 13? Who is your 14? I had Paul George. He's been there. 
he has the early career arc on the Pacers. And those those teams aren't because of him, but he is the best player on those teams. They're incredible defensively, and they're they're really well designed to probably overachieve given the talent that they had. He has arguably his best season in Oklahoma City after taking the Pacers to the playoffs over and over and over again. And that kind of flames out, and really he's not in a great situation with Carmelo Anthony and Russell Westbrook. Probably the worst two te- like all-star level teammates you would want that season. And he doesn't play well himself, but that's fine because um, we've, we've acknowledged that. We've we, we factored that in. And he's still really good in the Clippers. The only thing preventing Paul George from being all NBA for 10 straight years is these crazy injuries, his, his leg snapping in half. And I don't think Paul George really has a durability issue. He's kind of got major injuries and he comes back and he's fine. It's not, he's not Anthony Davis just getting mm-hmm. banged up all the time. It's happening all the time. It's just not like a, a frailty. It, it's, it's continuous freak incidents. Him being such a good defensive player, and maybe he's not anymore, and he probably isn't, but at his prime, and especially Indiana, it made him so special as he was an unbelievable defender and such a good athlete. He kind of fits the the Paul Pierce side, where it's like, this guy can be your number one scorer. Also, he's really good defensively. It makes him really easy to build around. You can build a good team around Paul George. You can also put Paul better. George around a lot of good people. He's a, he's a guy you want. Yeah, and this is kind of the range where we're looking at guys that are number twos. Or like low grade ones, high grade twos. I, I have George a little bit further back um, because at, at this point I start caring a little bit more about like that absolute peak. Um, so after Billy and Roger, I have Connie and Grant Hill, Connie Hawkins, Grant Hill, who lack the longevity. Um, but I was just looking at their peaks and their potentials of being in that elite class of players, and I think they have a higher ceiling. Um, and Grant Hill actually. I kind of thought he only had a couple of good years. Um, he actually had four All NBA teams before he blew out his legs, um, and then a long time as a as a role player post. But seven All Stars, five All NBA teams. Like I, I thought it was going to be worse for for Grant Hill. And people often say that injuries robbed us of Grant Hill, but it's not like he's Grey Goat. He was really good for a long time. Yeah. I, I went for the peak argument: Paul George, twenty nineteen. All NBA first team, first team all defense, third in MVP voting. Just tossing it out there. It's it's there. Yeah. yeah. We we also have a Grant Hill year here in '97. Uh, all NBA first team, third in MVP voting. That's true. D- doesn't have the defense, uh, but I do do like Grant Hill's passing. Like I feel like they're probably on par as scorers, uh, but Grant Hill's second best attribute is passing, and Paul George's second best attribute is defense. Uh, maybe flip that. Maybe his best attribute is defense, or at least it was at that point in his career. Um, that 2019 season for George, they get they lose in five to the Blazers. George averages 29 points per game, nine boards, four assists. I rounded all of those up to make him look better. A steal and a half, and one block the whole series. 43% shooting, 31% from deep, 81% for the line. That's okay. I mean, you're probably thinking, that sounds pretty good how they lose in five. Well, his teammate, Russell Westbrook, 23 points per game on 36% shooting. That's it. There's your answer. How that team was in five, Russell Westbrook. How do you feel about Bernard King? I like Bernard King. I had him at 22. Really? His best seasons are on just garbage teams. 1985. First, I think he's first team on via the year. The Knicks win, I think, 24 games. And that's kind of the issue. He's a great player. His best seasons was 84. And they were good that year. They were good that year. But Paul George has been a consistent part of good teams always. All right, I'm I'm fine with George. Let's go for him at 14. We're gonna have a 
three-hour pod at this rate. <laughs> um, who do you have at 15? Because you said you had Billy Cunningham at 16. I had Carmelo. And I'm flexible on Carmelo. I figured you'd be high on Carmelo given the first option stuff. Um, I, I'm up for him at uh, to get moved down. But, but you're looking at somebody who, like we said, what's the hardest thing to do? You'd be the first option. He is the first option to end all first options. Playing in an era... Teams are averaging 92 points per game. He's getting 30 of their points. And whether they're not crazy efficient, but if you gave anyone else that kind of usage on that kind of era in the shots he's taking, they're probably a lot worse. And you can argue he's not a very good defender and he's not a very good passer. Maybe he never played winning basketball once in his life, but he's still really talented and clearly doing something right. Yeah. I, I find it ironic that his best year, like his individual best year as far as team accomplishments I, I get that's a weird statement um but the 09 nuggets uh he has he's kind of a down personal regular season year um but it's one of his best playoff runs he gets the team to the uh to the conference finals they play the lakers there they just don't have the size to deal with it but he he has a pretty decent well i guess it's not that decent it, it's a it's really inefficient when he finally gets there um uh, but it, but it is does show that he can at least as the leading scorer get a team pretty deep. I, I would still just take Bernard King over him. If like longevity is going to be an issue for you with Grant Hill and Connie Hawkins, I would feel most comfortable with Bernard King's just peak level of scoring efficiency. He does have some health issues, but that 84 team, you know, he, he runs into the Boston Celtics on their way to the finals and pushes them to seven games and has a pretty strong impact against them. I just, I really don't see it for King. It's the same reason we said we like Durant over Kawhi. You can argue that King is just as good as Carmelo. Quinlan Anthony plays every game at that high level. He plays from 04 to 2014. I think that's 10 years. Is that 10 years? Uh, it's 11. If you're doing 03, 04 to 13, 14, yeah. it's going to be 11 years. Plays in 790 games, starts in all of them, 36 snap minutes a game, 25 points per game, six snap boards, three assists. Bernard King can't. He's not stringing together the lead seasons we'd like to see. All right. Talk, talk to me into it. I'm doing great. I'm on fire right now. I haven't changed you my are. list in a while. <laughs> you are. All right. So then then Billy is still the highest guy on my board. So can we just lock him in at 16? Yeah, that sounds good. He has an ABA MVP. Kind of a strange... Strange MVP, um, and also a huge part of the 67 Sixers. Yeah. And then I think at that point, we both have Grant Hill at 17. Yeah. And then we both have Connie Hawkins after that. Yeah. Let's just talk about those guys for a minute here. Um, Because Grant Hill was kind of the first of the next Michael Jordans, the the quote unquote next Michael Jordans. He comes in while Jordan is doing his baseball sabbatical. And Grant, Grant was probably even a little bit more of a Scottie Pippen than a Jordan. Like it's probably miscast to say that he's his Jordan esque because of his scoring. He was never that scorer. Um, but his second year, he's averaging twenty points, basically ten rebounds, and seven assists as a sophomore. Like that that's a fantastic sophomore season. He is so fast, so athletic, perfect for that era of basketball. Gets to the basket, cannot shoot at all. Didn't matter. People knew he was gonna get to the basket, still got to the basket. Assist numbers are there. Rebound numbers are there. Team success, well, not crazy, obviously, given his mm-hmm. his playoff track record, but they're getting there. And those the Pistons are bad when they get at before they get them. Thinking about the top seventy five, there's a lot of different ways you can slice this. If if the NBA had a different best player every single year, and you were just like, hey, 
you know, no repeats. You're like, cool. This is the 75 best players, 75 years. That's that's our five. That's a cool idea. I mean, it's not accurate or thing. It's just a hypothetical. Outside of that, maybe you could say like, hey, 75 years. Maybe if you're like a top five guy for five years, that averages out to, you know, 75 players if, if you divide it. Or being a top 10 player for 10 years. Um, that in theory should work. It doesn't because you've got the messy careers where a guy may be a top five guy for two years and then he's like outside of the top 10 and falls off. But Grant Hill has a five-year stretch where one year he's in the top five, just being all NBA first team. The other four, he's all NBA second team. And I think that means he is in the 75 conversation pretty heavily, despite what the rest of his career was and limitations, injuries. He's a great example of why I hate when people just turn to career averages because his career averages come way down from his peak because he just keeps playing and keeps having like an impact on the sport when he probably could have retired and not uh, not damaged his averages as much. But I'm really happy we got to see both the highs and then the the mid tier, the mediocres of of Grant Hill's career. The Suns had the fountain of youth. They he was one, done. They had one of the best medical staffs. They do. Twenty the 2010 Suns almost made the finals. Who cares about the 2006 Suns? 2010 Suns. Connie Hawkins was blackballed by the NBA. Yeah, he was. For and a, it's it's disappointing because there's half what he could have been and half what he was. He comes into the ABA at age 25. He was accused of a point-shaping scandal in college that he really had nothing to do with. And by age 30, 1973, he's pretty much done. You could argue that the league caught up to him. I would argue that it's he's already 30 years old. In the 70s, you know, things didn't last as long. Things weren't as nice back then. Playing on concrete floors with, with Converse on yeah. takes a toll. I've hated on this era a lot. The 68 ABA is not not on the same caliber as the rest of the leagues. Like it, it's just, if you want to look at individual worst seasons of talent in a league, like it's much closer to the BAA or the start of the NBA. It, it's, and like, Hey, it's a startup league. That's fine. And, and Connie comes in and dominates it. He has a really good year. The second year in 69, I forget which one of those is his MVP, but he's, he gets an MVP in there. Gets the first championship. Yeah. So the first year he wins MVP, he gets the championship. Second year, continues to be a great scorer third year of his career he he gets to come to the nba and there's a pretty quick drop off he goes from 30 points to 24 points to 20 points does that make you uh, hesitate a little bit on where we put him no i think this is the right range for him but i do think people fall in love with what he could have been and i do think there is a much better career where if he gets gets drafted comes into the nba doesn't have a few gap years between college and his aba career maybe he develops more maybe he's coached more I have a little bit of caution, a little bit of forewarning about him. Okay. I, I would be tempted to put Carmelo Anthony over him. That sounds good. Isn't that where, isn't that where we're at? I thought we had Carmelo at 15. Oh, no. Oh, did we put Lock in Carmelo at 15? Yeah. You, yeah, you oh gave my, in. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to listen back to the tape. Did we, put Barnard, did we put Bernard King somewhere? No, he's not. He's not here yet. Oh, can we put... Oh. Do you want to go... King over Hawkins, and I think I think I want to push back on Hawkins. I, can we go Jimmy Butler over Hawkins? Yeah, I, the the more I look at it, the more I'm I'm wanting to drop Hawkins. It's just it's it's not a good era. It's not a good um, longevity. Like his most impressive accomplishments are are in AAA, and that's that's just what it is. And as soon as he kind of moves out of that, and the league starts to catch up, both the NBA and the ABA catch up, it, it drops off fast. 
Okay, so we have Carmelo at 15, Cunningham 16, Grant Hill 17, Jimmy Butler 18. Um, Let's hear the case for Butler, right? because that bubble run is fantastic. It's, it's winning basketball, just coming out the years, wherever he goes. Same thing for Paul George. Jimmy Butler wins basketball games. He took the Timberwolves to the playoffs. He should be higher than this, Nate. For getting the Wolves to the playoffs? So how high is Rudy Gobert going to be after next season? Uh, top 75. Put him in. It's not just the bubble run. It's it's last season. It's the season before that. He's a machine in the playoffs. That matters. The bubble gets really... You can't argue. No, the bubble gets underrated. I do I do think the fact that he wears out his welcome, either with the team or with the fact that he can be a bit berating, and the fact that he is a really... He's a workhorse. I, I was describing peak Ron Artest uh, on TikTok the other day, and I was like, he's like a better version of Jimmy Butler. But like Butler actually loves basketball and wants to work. <laughs> That's true. Committed to the game. They both have some real limitations. He can't shoot, and he's the best player in playoff series in 2022. He can't even shoot the basketball. He gets the line well. He's crafty. He's crafty. Is there someone? Is there someone you'd like to nominate over him? That's <sighs> what, what I'm kind of looking at. I I would I like Bernard King over him. It's, Make it's, a one-minute, day, 30-second case. How come? Bernard King had a moment where he is the best at scoring the basketball, and I think that's that's important. Was he the best at basketball, though? Was it, did that lead to, to more effective play and more effective wins? It, it was the best thing he could do It was for the team. It was um, it, it was a back-to-back all team. It was a second-place MVP finish. They, they took the 84 Celtics to seven games behind a really strong King performance. And, you know, Butler, I know we've had the pandemic. Butler doesn't doesn't play as many games as we all want to say. Like he's he's a gamer, but he's not not actually playing as much as we'd want. Butler had a, a really unique circumstance that really helped his case. You know, so much of his, his best case is a bubble run. And while I value the bubble run, I do also think we need to keep in mind that it it is a, a bit of a unique scenario. You could argue that last season in the playoffs was better than the bubble. He does have a better box plus minus last year. 27.5 points, league leading 2 2.1 steals, 4.5 assists, 7.5 boards, 50% shooting in 17 playoff games last year. That's yeah. one of the five best players in the world. Yeah, you could also argue that he got progressively worse as the playoffs went on, dropping from 30 points to 27 to 25. He's playing harder competition. I mean, playoffs get harder as you go along. Also, your playoff competition is just harder when you're not going up against Atlanta and then a broken down Philly team. Boston was the best best defense in the league. Yeah, sure. All right. We need to make a decision. Do you want Jimmy Butler or do you want Bernard King? Do you want Jimmy Butler or do you want Bernard King? I want Jimmy Butler. Okay. I'm comfortable going Bernard King after that. All right. Then Connie Hawkins. I just, I feel like I look at, I'm looking, I'm talking myself out of Connie Hawkins. You win, it's, it's just, he doesn't, you can see the drop off when the league gets hard. And then we can see guys like Marcus Johnson right after that when the league gets, when the league is hard playing really well. Oh, I am, I am all with Marcus Johnson. If you want to, want to try to talk me into Marcus Johnson here. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, Let's do it. Do, do you want to make the case or should I? Please do. Go ahead. Are we going to start going Jimmy, then Bernard King, and then you're going to make the case for Marcus Johnson at yes. 20. Yes. Please go ahead. We've we've talked a lot of about different eras. Um, he plays an incredibly different one, different one, right post merger. 
Um, and those Bucks teams have kind of faded from memory post Kareem Bucks, but they're a really good squad. It's him, Sidney Moncrief, um, and, and they have a few good playoff runs. He individually becomes All NBA first team in 79, second team in 80 and 81, which as a forward, that is that's Larry Bird and uh, Dr. J that's that are taking the first team spots. So he sneaks one in there before Bird gets. It's in the league, but then afterwards he's kind of relegated to second team. That's totally fine, and really the Bucks don't take off until a bit later. But that's fine because they get Terry Cummings afterwards. It's just a better team. It has nothing to do with his play. He's still just as good. Just Bucks got better. Yeah, uh, he's a pretty versatile guy as well. You know, you can see him as the number one scoring option. He does that in the seventy. He eight playoffs, averaging twenty eight point five points and fourteen rebounds on fifty nine point five percent field goal percentage like it's you know it it's a good good pace he only plays is a couple of games but fine whatever he he's good he can score um later in his career he becomes more of a ball handler more of a passer the the points come down the assists go up like just just a versatile player i i hope he makes the hall of fame because he's not quite in there yet i love it get a 20 yeah also, I'm pretty sure that he films a dunk every year on his birthday. Oh, that yeah, was, that's who that, that was is. like his tradition. That's very cool. Why is Adrian Danley still here? I feel like that's uh, something a lot of people are going to look at and, and kind of question. His team gets better when he leaves. There you go. That's that's the, that's the answer I was looking for. It's the it's the, like the one player, and and that really it's because he's an incredible scorer and he knows how to put the ball in the basket. He is an offensive murderer. He was. They, this is before the seven second back to the basket rule and he's just backing people down from 35 feet out because he could yeah. and not pass and he's not not passing the ball and there's a hard cap on it it's like oh maybe as soon as you go to adrian dantley the pistons win the title and the lakers win the title and every single time he goes somewhere else the numbers are there team isn't bad team isn't very good see this was this was my kind of breaking point of where i now have james worthy and where i originally had roger brown is all right at some point, scores become less efficient, and actually replacing James Worthy with one of them isn't as um, as beneficial. <laughs> and that that that's the Adrian Dantley divide. Can I offer one more? Because if we're going for going first options on good teams, first team NBA guys, I have one still. Cliff Hagen, Chris Mullen, Chris Mullen. All right, all right. What's great player? He has a just a really insane five-year stretch. I think he's, if I remember correctly, he has five straight All-Star appearances. He does, and then four All-NBA appearances, including a first team. Age twenty-five to twenty-nine, it's five seasons, twenty-six points per game, four assists, five and a half boards, fifty-two percent shooting, thirty-five percent from deep, eighty-seven percent from the line. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's it's kind of a little bit of a shorter period. Just, just thinking and, about, and he win. You know, they win two playoff series during that yeah. time, and that is more than a lot of other people. So you can't it, say he couldn't do it because he kind of did do it. Well, I mean, it kind of depends on how you break up the credit for run TMC between That's him, true. Hardaway, and uh, Mitch Richmond. I, it's hard because ultimately, I love all three of those guys. But you have three top one hundred all time guys because I, I mean, maybe Mitch is not out there. Maybe he's more like one thirty. In the rankings, did, did we even put him on our guards list? I don't think we quite Richmond? got that. Yeah, I think he's more like um, 130. Yeah, we didn't, did we? Nah, no, we, we made the cut at Charmin 16. The 16th shooting guard was Charmin. Yeah, but it just, I don't know. It, 
Let's go worthy. Let's go, we're overthinking it. Okay. Big game, James. Big game. Let's go James. worthy at, at. There's so many good small forwards. Worthy at 21. Yeah. Could we then lock in Roger Brown at 22? Why Roger Brown? <laughs> Three championships, really pivotal. Well, I mean, possibly could argue number one, him and Mel Daniels was in the first, um, and then really pivotal in, in the other two were like high end second third option guy they in those man it is all aba but it's once the aba has started to get good it's the uh, later years i'm gonna trust you nate eventually i'm posting these lists on tiktok and if i get torn to shreds i am blaming you okay yeah okay i mean if you want we could take connie hawkins over him if that would make no, you feel let's, more comfortable let's, i don't think i don't i just don't think so okay let's go roger brown okay I love it. I've talked him into it. Listeners, <laughs> write this down. Write this moment down. It was a win. Talk me into Roger Brown. Now, do, are we? St- I think we're still looking at like fringe top 100 guys. I still think this... The, yeah. We have... Uh, Hawkins is next? Or do we want to go Dantley? Or are we just out, out on Dantley? I I would have Dantley as my 26th guy out of the, the 26 guys here. But the more we talk about Hawk- Hawkins, the more I'm comfortable lowering him down. Um, yeah. and, and when I took message you earlier i said i had 26 guys plus jason tatum so any celtics fans that have listened two hours into this pod at this point your guys are being <laughs> mentioned. and as we've been discussing these guys i'm actually kind of tempted to put tatum over connie hawkins i am all about it let's let's do it like just just looking at how my matrix operates career longevity is important Ca- career impacts matter but tatum's hit the high end a lot of the high-end stuff that we talk about these guys. He has led teams to consecutive conference finals. He has now led a team to the finals. And yeah, he's still an evolving playmaker. But if we want to talk about, could he have been the third best scorer on a, on a team if he got to play with Magic and Kareem? Maybe we maybe Tatum should be even higher. He's just, he's so young. I'm okay putting Tatum over Roger Brown. What about uh, over Marquise Johnson? What about over Bernard King? Tatum up to 19? Yeah, let's do it. I'm, you know, I'm TikTok's going to love it. TikTok's going to love it. That's what we do. We build these lists for you. Call me Julian Smith. I made this for you. I don't know that reference. Oh, my God. I'm it's like sorry. early stages of YouTube. I'm, I'm going to send you a video about uh, hot Kool-Aid okay. uh, and uh, Malk. Okay. It's, it's cringy stuff, but this is what the internet was built about. Okay, please do. Tatum up to 19. Are we looking at... Man... Connie Hawkins. This feels really disrespectful to Connie Hawkins. Just we just keep moving him back. Let's leave him there. Twenty four. Leave him there. I think he okay. should be in the top one hundred. We'll leave him there. Do we want Adrian Daly at twenty five? Um, how do you feel about Cliff Hagen? Let me double check on Hagen. I, I wish I knew more off the top of my head. Six time All Star, two time A or All NBA, NBA champion, champion in seventy eight. He's Bob Pettit's wingman, basically. Sure. No, but we can't do that. But Adrian Danley, right? Am I losing my mind? Danley's team's always got better when he left. I know they did, but like... I, I will defend Danley. Yeah, he's okay. That's fine. Yeah, he's really talented. The 88 finals, Danley, Danley's good. They don't mm-hmm. lose because Danley's not enough. Like, Isaiah Thomas can say what he wants to say in, in Bill Simmons' book, Basketball. It's just not even him saying it. It's just Bill Simmons writing about it and about how they need to have more team culture they didn't lose because dantley wasn't a team culture guy like let me see here dantley on that series averages 21 points on 
67% true shooting. He's a true shooting god, basically. Isaiah, 20 points on 51% true shooting. 52. Isaiah, blaming Dantley is not quite the reason you lost here, my guy. I get that. Let's do it. Let's put Dantley at 25. All right. So Dantley, 25. Actually, because because we now bumped in Tatum, uh, that means we've still got Connie and we've got Mullins. Who is 24? All right. I'm a, because we snuck Tatum in at 19, I think it shifted everyone down. So we got Tatum at 19, King at 20, Marquise Johnson 21. Is it Marcus or Marquise? Marquise? Let me look it up. I thought it was just a weirdness about Marcus. Is it just Marcus? God, I'm sorry. It does not, not say, but I think it's just Marcus. MJ at 20. <laughs> MJ at 21, James Worthy at 22, Roger Brown 23, Connie Hawkins 24, Dantley 25, or sorry. I think we just did Dantley at 24. Hawkins at 24, Dantley at 25. All right. All right. I can live with that. Dantley at All right. 25. I have three names left. Chris Mullen. Okay. Glenn Rice. Bobby Jones. I think, I, I know Bobby Jones should be in the top 100. I don't care what you have to say about first options and leading scores. He's a playoff machine and he is scoring points. He's, he is a 11 time all defense. I think five all star teams. He made an all NBA team. All ABA team plays in four finals. I think he could be like our hundredth guy. This guy didn't. I'm okay having. Go ahead. This guy didn't make any All NBA teams. Yeah, but that's okay. I think he should be the last of these guys. I think in my my like my actual all time ranking, I had him close. I had like a hundred and fifteenth or something. But he, I think he should. We should. I want to put him on here, please. I... Just at the end. No. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. He made five all-star teams, 11-time all-defense. No. Come on. Come on. Why don't we just put Peja Stoyakovich on there? He's not better than Peja. What about Dave DeBusher? He made eight all-star teams. I guess he's a power forward, but... Yeah, I had him as a power forward. I'm just... Uh... You want to know where he shows up in the Matrix? We Jones? Where? 219th. Okay. That's a little low. That's a little low. I will, uh, I will drop it, because I, I, don't, I don't think he's going to be top 100 anyways. And uh, we can uh, we can move on. Glenn Rice is an interesting one. 1987, second team All NBA. It's a great Hornets team. It's a great Hornets team. Um, that he's got a three year stretch, 67, 60, or 60. Ah, my God, 96, 90, 96 through 98, where he's an All Star, really prolific scorer. Yeah, definitely behind Mullen. I'm fine stopping at Mullen at 20 or uh, Mullen 26. 26. I, I have Cliff Hagen in there. Okay. Do you want to go Hagen? Do you want to go Hagen or Mullen? I'm I'm fine with Mullen over Hagen. I, I've got that. Um, but Hagen, six time All Star, two time All NBA, and um, and an NBA champion, and as the second best player, like it's kind of more like a Pau Gasol type of career, as far as like never really in the conversation, but then has a couple of good years next to a better player. Um, but all right. Yeah. We're I almost, think we're good. We're almost 30 deep on small forwards. I did not expect this position to be as talent rich. We have 67 players that we have ranked. We only have 20, wait, 33. I'm being an idiot. 33 spots left for the power forwards and centers. Think we're going to make it happen? I think we're going to have 33 centers. <laughs> I think we're going to. I have 27 centers and probably 10 that I'm forgetting that are probably going to be on this list. And I think there's going to be 10 shooting guards in the entire list. Well, power forward. I mean, the good thing about power forward is like it as a position It is relatively young. Like we've always had fours, but basketball as we know it today, 
it is positionless um, and, and fluid. And that's not too dissimilar to what it was kind of earlier in its its infancy. Um, basketball in the in the 60s and the 50s, threes and fours were more closely related than fours and fives. The fours and fives kind of became a thing more towards towards the 80s and 90s basketball when that bully ball era kind of comes in. Um, and kind of if you were good, you were a five up through the 80s and then like the the four and five. Um, and you get that whole run of like bully ball fives that it really the position kind of splits and you've got the like Antonio Davis, Dale Davis, this Tree Rollins, uh, Kevin Willis, um, AC Green, Horace Grant, like the rebounders and bruisers. And then you have like the birth of pick and roll well, with Carl Malone, Sean Kemp, Charles Barkley, guys who can actually do a little bit of things with the balls in their hand. Um, God, that phrasing is terrible. <laughs> with the ball in their hand, singular ball. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I can't wait. so like power forward is not as deep of a position as I think we might think it would be. Looking at it now, I have, I have 11 power forwards that I'm sure should be top 100. And after that, I honestly don't think it's like fringe top 100, 100, 130 guys. I just ranked them for fun. Interesting. I've got 15. 15. Yeah. But we can save that for another time. Interesting. Yeah, we can. All right. Good talking. Yeah. Very concise and uh, time efficient, this one. Na, 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 na.